You ready? So we are coming at you from the west side of Phoenix, Arizona right now. I'm with my good friend Dylan Curry. Um, drove out here to meet with him to do a podcast. And we are hanging right now. So we're going to kind of freestyle this a little bit as we go. Don't really have an agenda. But got a couple things we want to talk about. Uh, maybe some bear hunting we're going to mix in. Uh, we just came off of a recent scouting trip. We had a lot of fun. I was on my way out here. Pretty long drive for me. And one thing I was looking at is the White Tank Mountains. And the White Tank Mountains to me are something that I don't really know the history of. And my perception of it as I was driving out here is that that's probably something that I've overlooked in my time. Have you, I'm assuming you being a West Sider, as in like the West Side of Phoenix for a long amount of time, I'm assuming you have some type of history or knowledge of hunting the White Tank Mountains. Like, is there still, do you know, is there still mule deer in the White Tank Mountains? Or is this just like a barren mountain with no water and no wildlife? Is there still wildlife out here in the White Tanks? Absolutely. Well, there's a whole bunch of mule deer that live on the golf course right here in Murado. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's definitely mule deer out here. Uh, to be honest, I have not actually hunted that part of 42. It's like... I've, I've hiked out the, you go out the back porch right here and we can be hiking up the foothills and the white tanks. I would have figured out all the, the stuff house. that you got this mountain range figured out. So is there bighorn in the white tanks? Not that I'm aware of. Not yet. I've never personally seen one. I've only seen mule deer in that, in that part of Oregon. I've seen too. some, uh, some of the management pictures that come out at the, like the little water catchments of big mountain lions. So I picture it just to be like, uh, full of coyotes the occasional mule deer just like suffering and walking through the desert and then uh maybe a mountain lion following that guy around hoping he's going to catch up i have seen lots of mule deer in those mountains but have never actually tried to hunt it even though it's been in my backyard you can for almost, years you can almost glass the mountain from right you, over here you can you walk around the corner and <laughs> to, to the next lot behind us and you can glass the yeah. mountains from the house I, I think that with the development right here right here like you said with that golf course the mule deer are just gonna that's just they're gonna kind of migrate closer in oh yeah there's there's deer crossing signs on the on the, on road, the road right there yeah. so and cool. you, you see them at night coming on by the school and everything coming on at the golf course yeah so dylan and i just got off of a scouting trip we went and set uh, seven game cameras for bears preparing up for fall bear season on the way in so we had went and set a camera in the evening the night before and basically blasted out in the dark we got to camp we switched locations went to a new camp got there late went to bed late uh took pictures of the sky for like what an hour at least just taking pictures it, of the stars was well time. after midnight taking star pictures yeah. and so stuff. We, so we wake up in traditional fashion dylan's wanting to sleep in because nothing's <laughs> you know there's no live tag so you're gonna get your sleep and i woke up and glass didn't turn anything up so we finally get rolling hike down the trail um coffee caught up you know the coffee caught up, I think. Dylan, oh, oh yeah. Dylan goes to step off the trail just to go take care of some business, and we hear down below us some like swooshing in the leaves. I mean, that's kind of what the very sounds, distinctive bear walking. Very in the distinctive leaf bear walking in the leaf. It almost sounds like two people walking in sync through leaves. Like yeah. that's to me is how it sounds like like two people in unison. And 
you're skating off. And I'm looking at you. I'm like pointing down. I'm like bear, bear, bear. Like I, knew I could, I could hear it as I was walking away. But you didn't even. You were just going the other way. You I, I couldn't stop. I had to get some distance. I couldn't stop. But I could hear it. It was that close to us where we stopped on the trail. So I'm hanging out there for a couple minutes, and when I heard it, it sounded like we were hiking down towards a spring to put a camera on one. And when I first heard it, it sounded like it was going down. Got quiet for a little bit. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I don't got any sidearm. I don't got nothing. I'm not ready for this. Dylan comes back. Gets his pack on, and then we could hear that bear come out, sh- 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 getting a little bit louder, and comes uh, right underneath us. You got some cool video. That was exciting for me. For me, and then we look back. I think we had some pictures of that bear last year too. Funniest comment though. When I got back to my back, you go, "Do you have your pistol?" And I'm like, "Nope," but I got my phone. <laughs> Started recording. Neither of us thing. had the pistol. It just seemed like that bear was working. It was working right up to cut below us. And with the trail we were on is covered in bear tracks. So if, my if, assumption, if you hadn't have been wearing your giant sombrero to protect yourself <laughs> from the Arizona sunlight, Man, that bear the, that bear would have walked you know, right past us. He stopped at, what, like 32, 33 yeah. yards? And the look on that bear's face was like, I feel like it's re- it was really telling of the condition of our state right now. Like that thing was just looked over. He looked miserable. Or, well, probably it was a she, but she looked miserable. And the look on her face was like, man, there ain't no acorns. There ain't no berries. There's nothing out here for us to eat right now i'm only here because there's water it almost gave us the look like what are you guys doing out here yeah it, <laughs> it, it totally recognized us and was like well that doesn't look right but it wasn't scared at all just turn it wind was in our face it couldn't smell us and just you know walk kind of double back and went up up the side of the, the face of the mountain next to us and we got to look on it, look at it for a long ways as it just worked its way up the mountain there. Yeah, it wasn't, was, wasn't alarmed by our presence whatsoever. Really big bodied bear. But if you look at the video you had, the head didn't seem enormous. It had the lower back end probably indicating it was a sow. Like it looks like a sow as it kind of walks back up the hill. It looked like it had real short legs. Mm-hmm. Like kind of saggy had back end. Real pronounced ears on it. Yeah. And it, to me, it looked like a, a really old bear. Right. And... Like you mentioned, I'm fairly confident that's a bear that we have pictures of last it's year. The color pattern of it and where the light colors were on the back, it almost seems like it has to be. It, it's it, And the location of it. Like, we have pictures of a, a bear that looks just like that on that spring. I'm almost positive that it's that specific bear. Yeah, so that was kind of cool to get our eyes on it because I think that we actually saw that bear eight months ago, too, in the binos. Right. I think, think we saw that, you know. You went back and watched some of the video. You said you thought it might have been that same bear. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one that we filmed, you know, in early August last year in that same spot. So, so that's kind of cool. She definitely didn't have cubs. Probably either, if she is as old as we think, might have maybe gone a little bit past her, you know, reproduction. But did we? Are we calling her sombrero or Miss Sombrero? Is that going to be the sombrero bear? Yeah, that's the sombrero okay. bear, definitely. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this earlier in the week. I said that we should come up with a bear hit list, and um, by that I mean like you get the the Midwest guys or the East Coast guys that they come up with hit lists for their bucks. So I don't see why we don't do it with bears because we've kind of got an idea of the bears that are living in this canyon. I like the idea of trying to make a hit list of them and at least swing in for one, two, maybe three of these bears. My order that I came up with was just based off of maturity size and maybe history with some of the bears. Um, what do you thought about going after a bear hit list, man? You up for that? Yeah. Um, well, I think you and me both have the same bear as number one on the list. Yeah. Uh, the bear we're calling Hogan, the, the real big boar that's just 
almost completely blonde and has a chocolate head and kind of just chocolate feet. And the, and the entire body and most of the legs and neck on that bear are just bright blonde. And we have some good v trail cam video of that from last year. And you and I went and put the whole area is dry right now. But well, it, you gotta you gotta take a step back and kind of paint the picture. You we got the video of that bear we're calling Hogan last year. Last but, last year in like in May. Yeah. But the video, it was set on video, and there was a little stick in front of the camera. So we so, got very little footage. Yeah, we, we only had like three days of, of footage <laughs> after we set that camera because it, it just kept going off. Mm -hmm. We put it in a terrible position. and <laughs> But we got that bear on video twice coming in at just you know to a little, little water source in a canyon. And we ended up putting a camera there originally because when we walked into the canyon it was just one of those bare highways yeah you could just it was like the the oak leaves are just pressed out they were crushed you could see literally paving the bear was paving a trail so we go back to set a camera in the hole that we knew was going to be dry and this is just a spot basically where water collects in like a river bottom knew it was going to be dry and but no, not a spring spot it's not a seep it's not a spring or anything just in it's the just, bottom of it's a just wash. a wash bottom mm -hmm. just a it's really just a travel corridor is exactly what it is. with a deep spot in it that contains the water so we go back in there this weekend on the same exact trail that we picked up this bear's tracks last year. Same big, exact area. Big areas. tracks, too. Big tracks. Very good-sized tracks. We get on that same trail, and it's hammered out again. That got me pumped, man. Just, like, just seeing that bear's with tracks. With the identical-sized track, and, again, no no water this year with the conditions. We've had, you know, nine months now of below-average rainfall, and most of the cattle tanks are dry. All those, you know, pools, the rock pools that collect in all the right. canyon bottoms and stuff, if it's not, like, a true year-round perennial spring it doesn't have water right. right now and as far as a food update goes for other people i'm not sure what these bears are eating right now but i'm thinking they're eating just about anything they can grab um bugs the i know the one that we saw flipped out that came out of the spring you could hear that bear flipping rocks yeah coming up the hill yeah and that that whole bottom right there was you know leaves were turned up it had been mm -hmm. digging in the bottom looking for looking like for mushrooms stuff. yeah not so, a, not entirely sure what it, there was nothing that was you know no predominant food source in there Last year, in in those same areas, was just loaded with scrub oak, and before we started hunting last year, you know that that previous winter, we had real good rains, right, and had really good forage uh, everything. I mean, tons of juniper berries, tons of manzanita berries in the spring, uh, tons of you know acorns on. on all different varieties of oaks and it didn't seem to matter what elevation we we're at you could find food and if there was a water source nearby it was just getting hammered that was the first thing i noticed this year is the difference in how just how green it was it looks really desolate right now it's kind of sad but i, I think this will be a year that that we look back on and remember like how bad <laughs> the range conditions are uh, because of the lack of water out there it's it's building it's up though. It's looking like uh, the cl some clouds come in. Look like we're going to get some precipitation. I don't want to get too derailed. I want to talk about some other bears. If we're putting Hogan number one, we had discussed a couple other bears that are that are high on the list, and I think we're going to go back to Scarface and Hippie. You want to give a little bit of details about either one of those bears? Uh, I think personally, from what I've seen, I haven't seen Hippie in person. That's a bear you and Cole have seen, so I don't feel comfortable judging him. I, I, I think, think Scarface yeah. is number two right now, though. 
Hippie is bigger than Scarface, though, because I, I have them. Both those bears are on. Uh, we're talking multiple water sources. That right. We're looking different, at different areas. And right. we're talking yeah. like spread out over almost 50 miles. Right. Like a wide expanse of area. But those those two bears specifically, the one we're calling Scarface and the one we're calling Hippie, those were on the same water source. And both of them are big boars. And Hippie, we call him that because he's got long, long shaggy, shaggy hair. hair but right. it's, only, it's only on the bottom part of like his belly and his legs. And just a huge frame lanky bear and i believe that that's the bear that cole and i glassed up prior you know a week or two prior to the hunt last year right and we saw him probably at a mile out but just a tank of a bear and i don't know that we ever glassed up scarface like didn't have i don't know how any that didn't confirmation happen. though and neither that none of the guys that we know hunt in the canyon apparently discussed like no one indicated they saw that bear either, but the bear is in there. The, that bear's still, been in there multiple years. Yeah, I was just going to say. So some of our friends reached out and said that they had pictures of that bear going years back. Yeah. I mean, so it's been living in that canyon for, according to ours, at least three years and beyond. So you're looking at a, a fairly mature boar. That's going to be a good bear. Um, that, that that bear is bigger than the bear that we were trying to kill last year that right. got shot by another Subway. Hunter. Rest Subway. in peace, Subway. <laughs> yeah, that was a crusher. So we call it. We called Subway. He got the nickname from his scat left behind from thirteen inch long piles of scat. That bear <laughs> Five dollar foot long. Yeah. So we watched him go right below us. Yeah, that was a fun hunt. So we got, we got Hogan, we got Hippie, we got Scarface. Who's the bear in between? That's the top three. You got Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump in, in a is, totally different unit in a is, different part of the state. Yeah, Forrest Gump Cinnam, is cinnamon colored bear. Yeah, that's if I get the opportunity, if I had to pick one bear to get redemption on, is Forrest Gump. I I had my opportunities at Forrest Gump and I didn't capitalize. If I honestly, I would take that bear over Hogan just because of my history with it. But like on my wish list, like yeah, Hogan number one. That bear is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, and we have a pretty good idea on on how big forrest gump is because when we glassed him up in in that canyon we're talking 150 miles away from these other right, spots we're other talking spots. about um we killed the other bear that was feeding in that canyon with him the jet black bear and that bear was a monster right and forrest gump is, is a, a larger frame bear it's got to be a, a big boar. It's just all yeah. indications that it's a big boar. So let's let's go over something real quick. Um, what does it take to find a, a good bear spot? It's difficult. And it's something that I think that we hold tight. But one thing I was just thinking we could kind of segue into, some of these people that are, we were just talking about it, where I know some people that spend a lot of time bear hunting and they don't see bears, they aren't as successful I went through that period personally for a long time. I'm lucky enough now to have a big circle of friends who all love bear hunting. So being kind of connected, I get to hear and know where they're at and what they're seeing. But what is something that maybe some advice you could give somebody on finding a bear spot? So let's try to keep it broad. Uh, but one thing I always think about this and people always say is if you're looking to find bears, obviously you can find information on the Game of Fish website about the, the average density uh, of the bears and you can kind of figure that out by the sow quota 
right? So yeah. essentially the higher the sow quota, meaning so each each individual unit will have a number of females that they're going to allow to be killed. And, and that the sow quota is is supposed to be roughly 10% of the total population right. in that unit of, of sows. So. so you can assume uh, a unit with a higher sow quota, so Game of Fish is saying a fair amount of these females can get killed, you can assume that that is going to have more bears. Yes. Uh, or... A good concentration of bears in a general area. So once you've kind of established, okay, you know, I got a unit I want to look at for bears. One thing I always joke with people at is like, find the nastiest canyon you could find far away from a road and start there. Um, and I don't want to give away too much advice on this because it's, it's, it's homework that we've done and earned. But uh, to me, the best start is finding that super rugged terrain with uh some type of water source flowing in. What do you got for somebody maybe as advice on how to f start finding a good bear spot? No, it, it's no secret at all. Like you said, checking out Game and Fish's description of the units. And, uh, you know, every time a bear is checked in, they, they ask you, you know, you know general area that right. it's taken. And the descriptions for each unit have suggestions on, on where to look in each of those units for bears. But as we know, from year to year, it, it all is really weather dependent and not just weather dependent during the hunt. It's that spring, summer weather and even the following winter that really determines feed. And again, it's no secret at all that you want to find bears. You got to follow <laughs> the food. Every single unit that I've had general success in. And what I mean by that, not necessarily killed a bear, but maybe you went out and you actually saw a bear. Like, that's part of, to me, bear hunting. If you go out and you're not seeing anything, that is no fun. But if you're going out at least seeing bears, you're having a good time. But the Game and Fish website is pretty spot on with a lot of the areas I've been hunting. Yeah. Like, so if you look at the information that they provide, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, you kind of laugh at that as if it's overlooked. But you take that data, right, with the, the area that they recommend... What I'm saying is, it's like, just go to the next deepest canyon or the next prominent point away from that. Follow the feed and go to the, the nastiest stuff that you can get into. You know, and not necessarily like airline miles far from a road. We're talking difficult to get to. It may only be a one mile, peak, off, a, mile. off a highway yep. or a freeway even in certain places. Just getting into the nastiest, most the vertical country... Yep. Usually, it seems to, it seems to always be a certain verticality to the country that that we see right. bears in, and uh, you know, really that keeps most people away because a lot of it you look at and you're like, there's there's no way a human can go get in there and pack something out, particularly go shoot a 450 pound giant bear in, in some of these nasty spots. You probably need a team of guys to go out there and hunt with you <laughs> to get one it took out, what? especially in the early hunts when when temperature is a factor. Four four of us to get Cole's bear out this spring, and we were maxed. And and it wasn't even a particularly large bear. It was and just it wasn't an even average that hot. size bear, and it wasn't hot. But that stuff was brutal. That country that we were in, which I got a I got a kick out of some of the. So we posted, or recently I posted the kill shot, and I got a kick out of some of the people's comments about like. Um, they were kind of knocking Cole for taking that shot, but I appreciated the support we got. But a lot of guys, I mean, so he shot that bear 600 yards. A lot of guys are extending beyond that 
for big game animals and for bears. I mean, that's probably my personal comfort because that's what I'm practicing to. But I like your goal this year, getting a bear with a pistol, man. What kind of pistol are you planning on trying to use? I don't know. I, I haven't narrowed that down. Uh, technically, the the rug that's on the floor right here, technically I killed that bear with a pistol. I, ki <laughs> I killed it. You finally, yeah, you finished it off with a I with shot a it twice with a 300 wind mag, but it took four shots with a 44 mag. Are you thinking about using the, bear. the pistol you, your dad, or was it Chance, shot his sheep with? Uh, that was a 250 Savage contender that he shot his bighorn with at 210 yards. <laughs> there uh, you go. That's I I feel like a 25 caliber pistol, even though that's shooting fat and flat, fast and flat. Yeah, I'm not going to go that route. We, we've got a couple other TCs that are interesting. We have one that's a 30 out <laughs> 6 pistol. That bear we saw on Sunday would have been toast, man. And one with a 7mm 08. Well, dude, I could have killed that bear with, with, your 45. with, with a 45. <laughs> it was so close to us in broadside and, and perfect presentation. But uh, the, the contenders are just... And the Encores are cool guns to hunt with. Single shot pistols right. and, and you can get them in, in rifle calibers, so got a couple that probably a seven millimeter 08 is, is what i yeah. what i'd lean towards what are some of your i'll put you on the spot here because we didn't we didn't stage any of these questions it's kind of freestyling what are some of your bear goals this year and i ask you that because uh, first of all you're an outfitter so you have other people that you're working with uh, but what are some of your personal goals man this year what are you trying to achieve you got group goals you got a personal goal i mean other than potentially trying to shoot one with a pistol what do you got in mind yeah, that's kind of the goal for me this year is, is shooting with a pistol just because I've killed five at this point and, and four of them I've killed with a, a rifle or, or shot the first time with a rifle. Uh, I would I, I want to get my wife a bear. Uh, she had an opportunity at, at one last year, the, actually the bear that Cody ended up killing. Right. Um, she missed that bear. You missed that bear. <laughs> and then Cody killed it all in the same week on the same hillside. Um, but nobody had multiple days to hunt the thing. So every, every time I went back, it was with somebody different to right. go, go hunt the animal. Um, I'd like to see her fill a tag. She's, she's been around since I shot my first bear and was actually on that hunt with me and had to leave. And I shot it like the day I'm after she left. Home. She tells me, Kaylee tells me at home too, all the time that she's, you know, she wants to get a bear. I got to get one this year, man. I'm feeling uh, I've kind of have psyched myself out. I've created like this this artificial boundary, but um, I'm feeling good about this year, man. I've uh, I've taken the necessary steps to kind of better prepare myself. One thing I want to do, my goal this year, and I'm already slipping away from it. It's going to sound dumb, but to physically prepare myself a little bit better for these miserable August hunts. So I tell myself every year, I'm like, you know what? Before that August hunt, like I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out a little bit more because I don't work the manual labor jobs that all you guys do. I have the ability to do that. Um, and never am I preparing myself. So every year I'm cussing up and down those hillsides, just miserable, <laughs> just hot sweating and just not, uh, I'm having the time of my life, but you would think that I hate myself, like as I'm experiencing, you know, the hunt. So this year I've been telling myself, like, I'm going to take three days a week. I'm going to get up early at times that I don't want to wake up because that's bear hunting, right? Most get up every and, spot that, that, that we go hunt and that we see bears, it's the most miserable freaking country oh. you could possibly get into. Just, worst, just to get in there in glass sucks. The worst part that I find about the fall bear hunting is the lack of sleep that you get. 
because you go like you got to wake up to get the first light like that's when it's on is the first light and the last light so you're hiking into your spot oftentimes like you're getting up 3 30 in the morning you go out you hunt if you're hiked in, you sit and bake in the sun and be miserable all day. You've got 14, 15 hours of daylight to sit through. And then you get that last little window in the evening that you want to capitalize on. You go all the way to the last light. By the time you get back to camp and eat dinner, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You're looking at getting four or five hours of sleep. Yep. It just, about, it, about four hours, I bet's our average on those yeah. early hunts. And not to mention, it's not very cool outside. I mean, what do you think are some of the... Uh, some of those August high temperatures in the day. I mean, some of the stuff we've been hunting 90s. It depends. Definitely, definitely mid 90s oh. and high humidity because you're, you know, mid monsoon season right there. High humidity, <laughs> you sweat and it doesn't do you any good. Some of the funniest videos I have. Oh, I don't have the nerve to share them. One of these days, I might. It might take a little, a couple years before I share them. But some of the funniest videos I have on my phone are Cole Kemp and I up on the mountain last year as bear traffic control and you had lane down uh in the canyon and we were up on the hill and freestyling and rapping and we were taking <laughs> our socks off and doing pro tips i think when i look back at that i laugh i'm like the sun was like cooking our mind like we were going literally. absolutely we were literally going insane up there yeah uh getting back to kind of the goals this year we're gonna hunt with a with a couple of guys we're gonna hunt with our buddy lane again and and, and his good buddy uh we're not doing that till october and then i want to get them on the this. podcast like, yeah wherever yeah. we go i'm taking the setup if i gotta take the mixer to plug in four mics i want do you know his buddy's name yet brian i can't wait yeah yeah we'll get them both both on here when we when we do that hunt with them um c- cool guys you know kind of family and family they're from, friends you're from georgia i remember yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah and uh of course, we're we're gonna be helping the the raffle guy out, get the opportunity to help him out, fill his tag. That'll just be cool. Just, right. It, it just a cool experience for us to get a group together and, and go out on on that tag. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to help out. Then, really for for August right now, it's just us. Um, we're leaving that wide open just for us to hunt it. Um, really, my main goal this year is to get. My wife and I bears. I'd like to see you get a bear. Um, I, I'd like to see everybody in our group get bears this year. So we got a group number of five or six. I think we're at five or six group number. Well, Cole already got one. Cole got his. He's one. Should we spill the beans? And uh, well, this is going to go live. Josh Kirchner did just kill his archery bear. It's super. Josh just for that killed guy. a bear. So the so two are out. We, we've got two on the ground already in the group. And, and he uh, killed. I can't wait, man. He's getting on. I told him, I texted him because I was like, I can't wait to talk to you. Call me. And then I said, no. I said, actually, I texted him back. I said, I don't want to talk to you. Don't call me. <laughs> I said, I want to get you live on the podcast because I want to record our conversation live. Just like um, he has, since I've known Josh, which is really a few years now, his number one goal has been to spot and stock kill a bear. And he did it, man. Like, I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't there to experience that with him. But. That kind of what makes me think of a point we wanted to talk to a little bit, talk about a little bit. And right now, again, what I'm about to get in is all affected on precipitation and how much water we get in the state. But bear hunting is very much so driven off of the water and their feed. And that, that's, that's 90% of it. Right. And these bears oftentimes, they think, are eating stuff that people are not 
really aware of. The general populace, I think, like their perception of a bear is that they eat predominantly meat or they, they're predominantly predatory. But I think that's what the kind of non-hunting public thinks about them. Exactly. But as you get to learn where these bears live and what they eat, you notice that it's actually predominantly uh, grasses, greens, leafy little wild vegetables, berries, um, acorns, manzanita berries. Uh, what are some, maybe, I don't want to spill the beans too much on this. Like I said, we've done a fair amount of research on our own stuff. Everybody knows the basics on it, though. You know, everybody knows the bears and the pears phenomena in Arizona were in the fall. Which you know, we are, me and you are thinking August, this year might be a year. Maybe. If, if they had good spring rain in certain areas for them to to get the, the fruit growth on the cacti, you may have pockets that are going to have good fruit right. come the fall hunts, and they're ripe in that August, September, October time frame. So everybody knows about bears and the pears. That's kind of what Arizona's famous <laughs> for. Bears coming down into the lower elevations and eating the cactus fruit in the fall. And everybody knows they eat acorns that's out there hunting, knows they eat acorns. Now, one on, thing on, I want to squash. On a half dozen different varieties of oak brush. We got we to gotta squash the beef. And I feel fine with saying this. The bears are not eating the golden needle prickly pears. Okay? We, we got to squash it on that. I think that... They're not eating the brown thorns that you see down The brown low. thorns are the golden needles. You know what I'm talking about. The, the, they're, they're eating the large most dominant prickly pear that we have in the state which are is it opuntia 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 yeah. uh inglemania yeah Ingle, inglemania the engelman prickly pear so and they're widespread throughout the state they're right. all over in southeastern arizona all the way up to flagstaff right and you know large pad you know four to six foot diameter plant it's pretty vertical you know three to four feet tall and much more much more substantial fruit on them. Yes, yeah. But the the brown the brown needle, gold needle, the, it kind of depends on the The tent. brown thorns like a, a ground dwelling almost they creeping cactus. They I've I've never seen them messing with those. Not to say they don't cuz they can. It's it's edible fruit, edible so this, food for them. And this cactus, but they're not preferring it when and they grow side by side. Right. They're preferring the Engelmanns to the brown thorns. In this transition that I would call like the desert bear transition like lows 4,000 feet, you say? Like yeah, absolutely 3,500 3, to 4,000. It's like find right, right at the top of that line that you see saguaros growing. Yeah. like Just above that. Yeah, the chaparral section of the mountain. Yep, in the chaparral all the way up into your montane conifer forest. You can almost find bears in that stuff year-round if the conditions are right. So if we... And, and I feel like th and that point is... is what gets people so frustrated they're like well i know historically bears are here well that's true it's all there's so much bear habitat but these animals move around so much right. and one year there there might be a couple of resident bears like a couple of the spots that, that we're gonna hunt there's some resident bears that we know in those spots but those spots but depending on the feed it may fluctuate, and there may be a huge inflow of bears into these certain spots, depending upon food. The thing about those spots with the resident bears, though, is that those spots have it all. Okay? They have the right conditions for these bears to den at. Hell, Lane shot his bear, and that thing piled up. 100% that was a bear den, where that thing piled up and died. 
Yeah, it's al- it almost like the best way to describe it is like a ground nest. A ground nest, hundred percent. Dug thing. out, looked like looked like an ostrich had a big dirt berm, you know, ground nest for it to so, sleep so in. What I'm saying is, obviously, a bear hibernated there, which. What I'm getting at is it had the, the spring grasses and the right spring berries to support, you know, a bear through the spring. It has plenty of acorns or prickly pears uh, to support a bear through the fall. And depending on the precipitation and the other plants in the area, obviously, those bears could pretty much stay there year-round, and it has a perennial water source. That's, Not all conditions are like that, though. That's pretty indicative to almost all of the good bear habitat in the state. Right. It has, you know, that's why... That, I made the comment about having that certain amount of verticality to the area. You got to have that range in elevation to consistently see bears in most areas because you'll have a little bit of everything in those spots. You might have pines and Douglas firs and, and white spruce way up high and then come down into, you know, variety of junipers and pinions and get into prickly pear and agave and scrub live oak down lower. So you have this range, temperature range, and you know rainfall range almost all the bear habitat in arizona every place you go you read a description on game and fish pretty much meets those descriptions on on what they're talking right. about vertical country and you have a wide variety of pr- plant growth in there but then it's the fundamental thing that we look at is it's not where the bears will be necessarily but it's it's what they're eating and being able to recognize with the specific plants okay you know, this crop's going to be ripe now, or this crop's going to be ripe, you know, three months down the road or in October, December. So you can kind of predict what elevation to go look for the bears within these zones. And all all the major mountain ranges have this, you know, gradient of vegetation that goes right. up them. The the stuff that we don't really want to get into is is the homework that we've done on on recognizing what specifics to look at with plants Uh, if you spend enough time out there and you're you're taking pictures you're documenting stuff you're gonna figure it out to some degree what they're feeding on it's not rocket science it's it's pretty common knowledge i i feel like when when, because people identify their scat really easily and they, being able to look at it and see what's in it and make those connections. And for the key. record, the reason why, like, I kind of hold some of this stuff tight is, like, to me, it's kind of a rite of passage. Like, I've, for example, like, Cole's bear, he shot that bear. And before we had even taken any pictures, I was saying up the hill, was we were going up the hill, I said, I want to find some fresh bear scat. I want to find some fresh bear scat. I want to find some fresh bear scat. Cole McGuire said, hey, man, there's a pile right there. Before I even went and looked at Cole's bear, dude, I was over there shredding that bear's poop. Like, I wanted <laughs> to know, I wanted to know what did, what has this thing been eating, like, since we had been watching In it. that specific time frame. In that specific time frame. Like, my interest was super keen on that. But the one plant, like... Uh, I don't think we've hit on anything so far that's not blatantly obvious to most anyone that's out there right. hunting bears already. Uh, maybe a few things. Everybody knows the basic plants. Uh what has been interesting to me is like time that I've got to hunt with you is we, we found some things looking, you know, you stumble across bear scat, you, you know, pick it apart with a stick and you're looking through it to figure out what they're feeding on. And we've found some plants that we're not going to get into the names of that are very unknown to most people. 
but they're all over the hillside. And at certain times of the year, it's like <laughs> their it's their predominant feed. And each time we figured out a new one of these over the years, it's like, hmm, I never would have guessed that they yeah. were eating it. Some of them we didn't even think were edible. We thought they were poisonous. Yeah. So when I'm looking for spots on Google Earth or I'm like looking at a new canyon, you can see sometimes if the satellite image is just right or you could turn back the dates, you can see the the orange leaves or the tree kind of dying off in the fall because it is deciduous and it's going to drop its leaves. You can find little key markers like that looking for the direction of the slope, looking for the feed on the slope. That's like some of the the ringers for me. And Josh was successful this weekend. He went in blind to uh to a completely new spot he has never hunted. All he did though was apply the fundamental knowledge that he's learned over time. He's looking for a specific slope at a specific uh, elevation with some specific feet on it. And you apply that, and it's going to help you be successful in the field. It's going to help you, but it's not going to guarantee It's not going to guarantee anything. We're talking about this, but at the same point, we've gone into places and been like, okay, there's this type of feed. Everything looks right. And everything looks right, and there's not a bear within miles of there because we've completely overlooked something else. Right. Because of what they're feeding on at that specific time. Yeah. yeah. Did you uh? Did you get all put in for the draw? Did you do anything special or? Uh, nothing too special. I put in for a hard to draw mule deer tag first choice because I don't have a bunch of points <laughs> and a fairly easy to draw mule deer or coos deer tag on the second choice, and we're probably gonna go shoot a coos deer. Yeah, well, I'm going to be a part of that. I got, uh, obviously, I shot my archery deer in January, so I'm done. I just put in for a bonus point. I put in for bighorn. Not too interested, really, in anything else at this time, but I put Kaylee in for a Central Arizona hunt. Uh, she's probably, she's got like a 40% chance to draw that, but really excited for my buddy. Put him in for th- Southern Arizona. He's never hunted big game before. I've been wanting to check out 34A, so I put him in for that area, and I'm excited to help out some first-timers this year, man. Like, that's that's something that each year I kind of want to do, is like, we were talking about goals. I would add that to a couple goals that I have, is helping people out that are inexperienced and watching them get that you know, that rush or that high off of their first big game animal. And his hunts at the end of the year, I think the you look at the draw odds on some of those hunts, and we said this, we talked about it a little bit on the, our second episode. I really think those Southern Arizona hunts are really overlooked. And every day I it see... It depends on what you mean by overlooked, because there's a crap load of tags down there. Well, what I mean by overlooked is I think that people don't have the courage to, to like, go hunt it, right? So they're so used to hunting where they hunted with their grandpa, whether it's, like north in the kaibab national forest or whatever it is they're so used to their stomping grounds. yeah people don't think outside the box a lot of times when they're applying for hunts they don't there's there's a certain group of people that go out there and hunt you and i and we like to go look at new spots every year we <laughs> well, i don't know why new places every year <laughs> we get, we have our our usual spots that we hit but like, the, all right, they're we got it all figured out. let's go somewhere else <laughs> let's go try something new so we're we're always in a new area yeah Part of this year, I'm I'm not guiding a bunch of hunts. I'm, I'm actually guiding very few hunts this year. Uh, most of it's just hunting with the crew and and hunting with family. That's that's this whole year, just kind of spacing it out, all you know, in reasonable increments, so that we can focus on each hunt as it comes throughout the season and hopefully 
put down a bunch of animals. That's the plan. Yeah, put down a bunch of animals, a bunch of green and red chili beef burritos. I think that's that's the one guarantee that's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned because I'm running out of like solid meat cuts in the frid in the freezer. I'm, I'm like <laughs> down to to burger of all sorts. <laughs> cool, man. I'm really excited to to get out and get our cameras uh, or get our SD cards out the cameras and see what kind of pictures and footage we got of these bears. Hogan ain't getting away this year. We put three different uh, three different cameras in his area, looking at about every different direction. And if we get the footage back and it's not Hogan, we still got a hit list bear. We still have a good bear in that spot. We're talking six six plus inch tracks. Well, maybe not plus six inch tracks. It looked like about six inches. Yeah, you know where they spread out in the soft soil and, and, the, and the toes spread out that somewhere in that range. Um, a big mature bear. What's kind of cool about that spot, though, is there's no water there. There's the, no water even there. close to it, and it's just tore up with bear sign. And there really isn't any substantial or unique feed source right there. Nothing it's, that I know. It's just a very average canyon and a very average halfway easy spot to get to, actually. It's just a travel corridor. Um I feel like that kind of gets overlooked a lot of times, and we certainly over, overlook a lot of that. We tend to focus everything on, on the feed and the water because that dictates a and lot. And the, open, the openness of areas. Like, we're kind of attracted to areas we could get in and class and see long distance, but that's not everything, man, because if you got a travel corridor that you can overlook that has just enough space. Yeah, I, I'd much prefer to hunt country that, we can glass obviously yeah. and cover a large area from you know one or two you know, ideal glassing spots but some of these areas are super dense with cover that that have good feed in the fall super dense with cover and you might only have a couple tiny windows but it's all right place right time right. getting that that you know shooter's advantage being up high being you able to look it, through the brush you set it with right place and right time bears patience and persistence like that's two attributes you got to have patience persistence and resilience oh it, like those are like the, to me you, the three you, you get on facebook or in, and instagram and stuff and you see start seeing bear pictures in the fall and you're like man everybody's out there just seeing a ton of bears and just killing it well, that's probably the one bear that guy saw the whole trip probably the, the one <laughs> single bear that he saw the whole time in most cases is like if you're seeing a bear a day you're doing pretty dang good like just in that whole time frame, we're talking about long days and particularly those early hunts and summer hunts, the archery hunts and everything, long freaking daylight hours, <laughs> long and draining mentally and, and physically the terrain that you have to be Every in. year I'm like, why am I doing this? And then by the time you get back and you get settled in, as soon as I get home, I'm like, man, I want to be back out. I want to be back out. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and chatting with bears for me for a little while. This was fun. We'll have to do another freestyle episode. I want to get Josh Kirchner on. I can't wait to hear his story. Really excited. I can't say that enough times to, for that guy. Talk about patience and persistence. It has really paid off for him. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in, all the support that we've had. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, feel free to give us a like or comment. Still looking for feedback on other episodes. and uh, Shoot us an email in, in, with topics. What, what, do, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to hear a different perspective on? 
I that I really am looking for feedback because I can come up with topics. We can sit here and talk about stuff, but I want to be able to give some content that people want to hear. So definitely shoot us an email. You can find us at the Chase Outdoors Podcast on Facebook, Instagram. You can send the email to the Chase Outdoors Podcast at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening and have a great night.